Welcome to the Generous Business Owner Podcast, where business owners gain inspiration and encouragement to live a legacy, not just leave one. And now your hosts, Jeff Thomas, Alan Barnhart, and Jeff Rutt. Welcome, everybody, to the Generous Business Owner Podcast. My name is Jeff Thomas, with a co-host, and I have one of my other co-hosts with me, Jeff Rutt. Say hello, Jeff. Hey, everybody. And uh, great to see you, Jeff Rutt, and hear you. And we have a special guest for you today. We have Joe Harris, who is the CEO of Schubert Mitchell Homes in Joplin, Missouri. One of the things that's very unique that you're going to learn about Joe's story is he had a whole corporate career in business development before joining the home building uh, company that he's currently the CEO of. And he's been there a few years now, but he's got a unique story to, to share with us. So, Joe, welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. Well, we're thrilled to have you. And, you know, Joe, we always start out by just kind of setting the context a little bit. Maybe you can tell us kind of where you grew up, what life was like growing up, that sort of thing. Well, I grew up in a small town in southeast Kansas. Both my parents were educators. My mother taught second grade for over 30 years. And my father, after a career with NASA helping to put man on the moon, eventually got his PhD through that process and taught, taught university, taught college students in computer science. And so I grew up the, uh, the son of educators and uh, just had a great small town life as a child and uh, went all the way through school there in Southeast Kansas. And then eventually went on to the university that my father taught at, which was Pittsburgh State University, which is also in Southeast Kansas. And started out with a, my sights set on going to medical school. So after finishing all my pre-med requirements, I thought, well, I'll do all my electives in business and ended up actually getting my degree in business and really never, never looked back, have uh, stayed in the, you know, the business realm my, my entire career. So that's a, now, now that's a very different path. How did you decide now, you could sort of see medicine as being a pretty academic path, right? That's, that's, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of doctors that are teaching and teaching in med schools and that sort of thing. That's probably not a stretch from the educator, but what did your uh, parents think about, you know, that they're giving back to society uh, with their <laughs> teaching and this guy's, we got this son that's going to go to the business world. What did they think about that? Well, you know, they didn't really uh, kind of push me one way or the other. Yeah. The, uh, you know, the medical thing really was, I had heard that, that doctors just weren't good with business. Yeah. And so the thought was, let's get a business degree and, but still go to medical school. Okay. And then in my free time or not free time, but I thought it would be smart to get a job at a hospital while I was in school. And so I got a hold of the head of cardiology at the local hospital and I got on doing electrocardiograms in the nights and evenings to help pay for school. But also I wanted to be around the medical field. I wanted to be around doctors. I wanted to be around patients. I wanted to learn what that experience was like. And I probably got a very skewed perspective on that because what I found was no matter what shift I worked, it was the same doctors that were there. Wow. And, you know, they were there morning, noon, midnight, no matter what shift I was on, it was the same doctors were there. And I really think that skewed me in my perspective and thinking, wow, that's a really tough life that they live. Yeah, it is. You know, that they're never, that they're never home. 
And so as I finished my degree in business, I got engaged my senior year and my wife was a year behind me in school. And I thought, well, how am I going to move forward from here? She's a year behind me in school. And so the college I was at offered me, hey, if you will help teach some classes, we'll give you a a free ride for your master's. And so I said, well, I'm willing to do that, but I want to do it in one year. So I did my master's in one year so that I could graduate with my master's the same at the same time, my, my future wife would be graduating with her bachelor's degree. Was that an MBA then, I assume? Yeah. So I got a master's in business administration with a focus on business management. And I did that all in less than 12 months so that I could graduate with my wife. And you were teaching. And I was teaching and I was grading a lot of papers and I was doing a lot of reference checking on all the on the papers to make sure nobody was getting the references illegally and all kinds of fun things that I was doing during that year, for sure. Well, I'm just going to ask a couple more questions and kind of get out of the way and let you two guys in the home building business uh, take it from there. But maybe, but you did have this sort of 20-year career before you were entered to Schubert Mitchell uh, Homes. So what did that early career look like for you? Well, as I was coming out of school, I got several job offers. And what my first job offer was at a company called Coke Industries. Oh, yeah. K-O-C-H. So yeah. they're essentially the largest privately held company, you know, in the U.S., if not in the world at this point, you know, with billions upon billions in revenue. And, and so I thought, what a great place to go out and learn about. And so that was my first job out of school. I worked for a Coke oil company. And... While I was at Coke Oil Company, I was doing market analysis for the Mid-Continent region, and I found a, a tariff that wasn't widely known that I'd researched that allowed Coke Oil Company to pipeline oil in the western part of Kansas that they were currently trucking. And it saved the company a couple million dollars a year because the pipeline and the tariff was that much cheaper than trucking it. And about a week after that, the president of Coke Oil Company said, you're in the wrong job. And he moved me to Coke Pipeline Company (laughs) and put me in a discipline called mergers and acquisitions, which I had not been familiar with previously. And then, so here I am at 20, at that point, 23 years old, doing mergers and acquisitions for Coke Pipeline Company. And the president of Coke Pipeline comes to me and says, I want to sell Chase Pipeline, which was the only jet fuel pipeline going into Denver International Airport. And as you know, pipelining is so much cheaper than trucking in the product. And so they asked me to sell that pipeline at the tender age of 23. And I had no earthly idea what I was doing, but I knew the numbers. I knew the strategic implication of the project. And so I decided I would go about selling a a jet fuel pipeline. And so my boss said, Hey, I'd like to get $80 million for that pipeline. And, and I'm like, well, how do you sell a pipeline? He goes, well, I'm sure you'll figure it out. So I called all these, you know, it was pretty obvious who the the oil companies were in the region. I called all of them, invited them to a tour of a jet fuel pipeline. We started in the middle of Kansas. We stopped at every pump station from Kansas to Denver, Colorado. And I showed them those pump stations and all the physical assets. And then at the end of the tour at Denver International Airport, I got on the hood of the truck I was driving with a loudspeaker and a hard hat. And I said, I'm accepting bids for this pipeline. 
and the bids are due, you know, whatever the timeline was. And we ended up selling the pipeline for $130 million. Wow. And so it was a really, uh, really crazy experience for, and I can't believe at the age of 23, they gave me that responsibility and, but what a great experience it was. And so that was really my first foray into mergers and acquisitions, which is kind of a sub-discipline of what I would call business development. After that, I was recruited to a company called Sprint in Kansas City. I worked for Sprint in their mergers and acquisitions department and worked on several large projects for them. As you know, that whole industry is kind of rolling up, particularly all the the cell phone companies at the time, you know, and so that was a very acquisitive and a lot of mergers happening in that industry. And then eventually I got recruited to a company called Luggett and Platt, which was the company that I spent 17 years at prior to coming to Schubert Mitchell and worked my way up from analyst to senior analyst to assistant director to eventually director of business development for about $2 billion in revenue within that company. And one of the advantages of being at Leggett and Platt was it was a very acquisitive company growing very quickly at the time. And it was very close to, very close to home. And it would allow me to raise a family where they would get to know, where my kids would get to know their grandparents. So I was very lucky to get to do and perform a role at such an amazing company, but also be close to home. Yeah. And that was, tell us about what industry was that in, Leggett and Platt? So Legan and Platt is what I would call a comfort components company. They originally got the first patent on the bed spring in 1883, and they make all the componentry or comfort products throughout the world. So the largest product manufacturer for components of mattresses, yeah. the largest product manufacturer for comfort components in office chairs, automotive seating, they make adjustable bed bases. Sofa sleeper mechanisms, uh, recliner mechanisms, lumbar supports, beds, for example, right? Like, adjustable beds. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, one of the largest manufacturers of adjustable beds. I don't think I've ever heard the phrase "comfort components" before, so that's new in my vocabulary. So, but seventeen years there. So then, what was? So then we make the big move to where you are now, right? Well, sort of. About 10 years before I came to Schubert Mitchell, my wife and I, kind of in our spare time, started a single-family home rental company. Oh. And we wanted to, and, and I'll be honest, it was a, seems like a good plan for retirement. You know, buy some homes. Passive um, income. Passive income, you know. And, you know, we were young at the time, probably, you know, around 30. And we thought, shoot, by the time we retire, we have a nice retirement income. And then as we built that company, what we found was, and it's not intuitive, but if you think about it, the people that rent homes come from some very difficult storylines. Most of the people I was meeting was single moms that were struggling to find a place for their kids to have some consistency in their lives. They, they A lot of times, they might, the family might have broken literally the week before they came to me. They're literally coming out of some fairly significant broken situations. A lot of single dads trying to do the same thing. And so just a lot of storylines where 
you meet these people for the first time. And as you know, everybody looks pretty normal, pull up in their nice SUV, walk up to the door and they meet you for the first time. But because you're a landlord, they have to tell you their story fairly quickly, right? Good point. And so you're in a very unique position as a business owner to meet people at what might be a significant inflection point in their life, right? They just got divorced or they just got married or they just moved to town. They're just trying to get settled in. And so what my wife and I figured out is, yeah, this is a business, but this is a significant opportunity to have a kingdom influence on these families at maybe their worst moment or their best moment in their life. Certainly a moment where they're open to a new dialogue because they're going through something significant. And so really we saw this opportunity uh, uh, to... uh, to be generous, to to speak into their lives at a at a moment where they might be uniquely uh, unique opportunity for them to listen. And because of you're a business owner, these people might never darken the doors of a church, but here they are in your living room having a conversation with you about life. So what a unique opportunity for us. And so my wife and I, that's how we ran that company as an opportunity to serve these families and in, in situations that might be really a good opportunity to speak into their lives. And so we did that for about 10 years. And then, and then this opportunity to learn more about Schubert Mitchell came up, uh, actually. So, so, sorry, Joe. So could you back up and talk a little bit more about, I love your whole mindset and your generous and compassionate heart. That's not every landlord's story. Where did that come from? Tell us a little bit, maybe you go back a little bit and talk a little bit about your spiritual journey. Your, where did that generous and compassionate part come from that kind of, you know, just came out during that time yeah. leasing homes? Well, you know, we live in a fairly antiseptic environment. You know, when you're going about your normal day, you don't always run into these opportunities to meet with people going through hardship, right? You're there at church and you're, you're putting money in, in the offering plate and they're saying this money's going to go to help these families. But there's so many situations where you just go through life and you don't know and you're not coming face to face with these opportunities to, to help people literally in your living room. And really, I think, you know, it was God opening a door and saying, well, I'm going to put people in your living room all the time because you're in this business and you're going to come face to face with these opportunities. And I really think one of the messages that I wanted to share today is this idea of being willing. You know, you think about, you know, you struggle with these opportunities to say, well, you know, I'm really not the one gifted to take advantage of this opportunity. You know, other people have the right words and have the right training and have the right giftings or went to the right school or have the right degree, you know, it's easy to say, well, you know, let's call the pastor over to take care of these issues. But really God's calling us to be willing, right? Mm-hmm. To be willing and to open the door to the things that he puts in front of us. And he said that he'll give us the right words. He'll, he'll give us the right message. Um, he'll allow us to possibly plant seeds that we don't get to reap the, the crop from. And sometimes, We'll get to plant the seeds that we do get to reap the crop from sometimes, you know. So, yeah. so where does that seed come? Where was that seed planted in your life? 
Well, I mean, I grew up in a family that, you know, that was was grounded in Christian life, you know, from an early age to going to church every week to, you know, hopping in the church van with my dad to to make the rounds and pick up all the folks from the retirement home and just seeing that that generous spirit from a yeah. from a young age. And so I guess having the capacity to be and recognize the opportunity to be compassionate when you see those opportunities in front of you, you know, and it's easy sometimes to see those at a distance and not get involved. But I think when you're in business, particularly if they see you, you know, you're looking at each other face to face in the living room. It just became very obvious that those opportunities to be compassionate were right there. And it was my responsibility to kind of step through the door. Wow. Talk about a great example of using what God put right in your hands and having the ability to, and the compassion and the the generous spirit and heart to make that connection. I wrote down a principle of who's in your living room. Yeah. Everybody can, maybe you have, I'm not renting houses, but who's God putting in your path? And and, yeah. Right. And and I've been, yeah, whatever he's putting in front of you. And then like, uh, for me, it was like, I would just, when I was in a big company, I would just run down the hall to the printer and I'd blow past about 12 people and somebody might be crying at their desk. You know what I mean? And I just blow right back to my, I mean, you know, now that's an extreme example, but it's just like, can you slow down and see what's in front of you and ask God to give you an yeah. awareness of who's he put. But I love your idea of the, also the being willing. So yeah. it's both. He's going to give you the opportunity, but then are you going to engage? Yeah, really both of those. And there's some great stories there. I mean, I could share stories about how God put me in situations that were truly unique. Maybe one of my favorite stories from particularly those early days was I had this little rock home that was off the beaten path. It was really kind of hard to find. It was really a marketing problem because I was, how do you tell people (laughs) even how to find it? And all of a sudden, one day, this young man comes to me and, and wants to rent that home. And I hadn't really been marketing it all that much. So how he found it, you know, was kind of a, a question. And so I just asked him, I said, well, how did you come upon this home that's kind of off the beaten path? And he said, well, he said, actually, uh, my wife and three kids and I live two blocks on the same street, two blocks down on the same street. And we got married very young and had kids very young. And she's decided that maybe we got married too young and we need to to not be married anymore. And so he said, I want to live as close to them as I can. And I want the opportunity to, you know, to win her back. And so, and so he said, I'd like to rent your house to accomplish, to accomplish that. And I said, well, man, I'm in that with you you know, we're in this together and I want to do everything I can to to help you bring your family back together. And, and so it came to pass, I don't know, six or seven months later, I get a call eight o'clock at night from this young, young man. And he was so excited. He, they'd been on their third date with his wife and she had come to the realization that it was best for them to reunite the family. And I said, well, tell you what, Let's tear up your lease, and let's load the truck, and let's get you home. And that's what we did. And so what, did a, what an amazing opportunity, you know, because normally, you know, you think about a landlord standpoint, that's kind of a bad deal. You know, he was only there six months, and now I'm turning over the property again, you know. Right. That's not what a landlord would want, but that's what a kingdom business owner would want, right? 
Yeah, That's those awesome. behaviors tend to get redeemed in a way that we can't. Sometimes you can measure them. Sometimes you can't measure them on this side of yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. And that's not, there's no program that would have facilitated that opportunity like you could as a business owner and uh, the property owner. So walk, take us back to this transition now to Schubert Mitchell. How did that come about? Yeah. So I had a lot going on in my life at the time. I had grown in responsibility at like an implied, you know, now very focused on business development in places like Brazil and Russia and China and uh, India. And so about every third week, that's where I was, you know? And so you think about a schedule of every third week in places like China or India, had four little kids at home and, uh, and so I'm gone a week. And then the week I get back, I'm kind of a zombie because of the jet lag that comes from that. And then the next week I'm planning to be gone again. And then the next week I'm gone again. So it really wasn't a great life for my wife and my four kids at the time. And then simultaneously with that, I was very interested in growing, growing this rental business to the point where maybe it could stand on its own and that could be our future. You know, that could be, you know, the core business. And so I kept running into these Schubert Mitchell guys, you know, they're this young growing home building company. And, you know, as a landlord, I was getting kind of tired of maintaining these older homes that I was fixing up and renting out. And I thought, well, shoot, wouldn't it be smarter to just build them new? So I'm going to go talk to these guys. Right. And we just kept running into each other and kept running into each other. And they're learning more about me and I'm learning more about them. And what I learned was, they were serving families with single family homes. And here I was serving families with single family homes. I was doing it as a rental landlord and they were doing it as a home builder and they were doing it with kingdom principles. They called themselves a kingdom company. And I hadn't really heard that term before, but I'm like, well, that's what my wife and I have been doing with our rental company. I just didn't know the term, right? I didn't know the terminology that that they were using a business to honor God. And I thought, well, my goodness, we have a lot in common. And, and so after getting to know each other, we did a few transactions. I sold them some land and some lots and different things like that for a few months. And we kept meeting and eventually we just decided, hey, why don't we come together? Why don't we join forces? And so in 2015, in August, I uh, legally merged my home rental company with Schubert Mitchell and became a, a one-third owner of Schubert Mitchell in August of 2015. And Dan Mitchell and Damon Schubert, who are the founders, remained two-thirds. You know, they each owned a third. So the three of us each owned a third of the company in August of 2015. And then I resigned from Legan and Platt and became a full-time member of the leadership team of Schubert Mitchell in, in August of 2015. So talk a little bit about uh, Schubert Mitchell and their, how, how they, what their journey was like and, and how it relates to just like you've been talking about what's in your hands and what can be, what can we do? What can we use uh, that's been put in our hands to be leveraged for generosity and God's work. 
Well, I can't tell that story without talking about how we started as a company. And in May of 2011, the city of Joplin, Missouri, was essentially overwhelmed and destroyed by the largest EF5 tornado to hit a metropolitan area in the United States. And so our city was destroyed. Over 10,000 structures were uh, destroyed. And through that, at the time, Dan Mitchell was founder of a youth ministry in Joplin. And Damon Schuber was the founder of a large skate park manufacturing company, uh, both based in Joplin. And they both, uh, Damon was on the board of Dan's youth ministry, and also on that board with them was a gentleman by the name of Rick Beatonbow, who was a large home builder based in Lubbock, Texas. And Rick was running Beatonbow Homes and was running it as a kingdom company. And so both, at the time, both Dan Mitchell and Damon Schuber called Rick Beatonbow and said, hey, our city's been destroyed. Over 10,000 structures have been destroyed. We could really use a reputable kingdom-minded home builder to come to Joplin and help rebuild our city. And so Rick was in, I think, Dallas, Texas at the time. And he said, well, when I finish what I'm doing, I'm going to fly up to Joplin and sit down with you guys and assess. Let's assess what's going on. And through the course of those discussions, which went weeks and weeks and weeks, Rick determined, hey, Joplin's 10 hours from Lubbock, Texas. It's kind of hard to run a home building company from 10 hours away. But what I will do is nobody can rebuild their city better than those that live in their city. I am going to teach you and gift you everything I know about production home building. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come up and support you guys. And I'm going to teach you how I build homes. And I'm going to gift you with my business practices, my home plans. And I'm even going to give you a 0% loan for your first purchase of lots and for your first 10 homes. And I'm going to put you guys in business and I'm going to gift that to you. Wow. And so that's how Schubert Mitchell started is Dan Mitchell left his youth ministry to become a home builder. Damon Schuber left his skate park ramp company to become a home builder. And they accepted the wisdom and generosity of Rick Beatonbow and Beatonbow Homes as this they... So, this is amazing. That's this is amazing so rich. story. There's, there's so many stories here, but I got to tell a side story. So, Joe, I think I mentioned this, this to you. I think it was probably mid-2000s. I'm going to give you the, the cliff notes on this, but Peter Greer found uh, the president of Open International and I were in Lubbock, Texas, applying for a grant from Beatonbow. Yeah, because they, and this was, you know, back in the early days and, you know, Beaton Bow, we should do another whole podcast, Jeff, on Beaton Bow Homes. Okay. But the, uh, we applied for a grant for Homes for Hope. Okay. And we thought, what, this is kind of a, a no brainer, right? Because our only competitor was this guy with a skateboard. Like, <laughs> it was Damon Schuber. Oh, wow. Like in the lobby waiting to pitch him? No, no, we saw the we saw the presentation. Oh. <laughs> and, and Peter, uh, Peter and I were in Lubbock, Texas, which is 
kind of far from Lancaster, Pennsylvania, by the way. But we're thinking it was totally worth the trip. But this is a shoe-in for this grant. Come to find out when we got home, hey, guys, we love Hope International. We love this ministry, but we really wanted to help out the skateboard guy, his ministry, because he's, got, he's, got, he's getting started. Anyway, years later, as you just explained, Rick Beatenbow helped Damon and Dan start Schumer Mitchell. And uh, anyway, but we'll tell more details about that later. But fortunately, Hope International survived. So... Uh, without that grant. And uh, Peter and I still joke about that. But t- tell us a little bit more about Schubert Mitchell as we wind down here. Just, I mean, I, I'm looking at your website right now. Generosity is front and center as yeah. part of your story and as part of your values of your company. Talk a little bit about that. Just uh, unpack that for us. Yeah. So we actually have a set of, we have a vision and a mission for the company. And we also have a set of core values, which is really the DNA of the company. And uh, we couldn't move forward as a company without one of our core values being generosity. And we were founded in generosity and it's part of uh, the DNA of the company. And so as part of everybody's work life, we're supposed to live up to these core values. And so we're looking for opportunities to be generous all the time. And so there's many, many ways to be generous inside of a company. So one of the ways that we're very deliberate in that is we, every single month, the uh, historically the first Monday evening of every month, um, we gather together and do what we call ministry meetings. And we invite different ministries and nonprofits to come to those meetings. That's every employee, their spouse and children are invited. And we do that in every market that we're in. So we're, all, we're, not, we're not only in Southwest Missouri, but we're in Northwest Arkansas as well. And so in all markets that we're in, that first Monday evening of the month, there will be a ministry meeting where different nonprofits and Christian ministries will be invited to present what God's doing in that ministry and opportunities for us to join them in that. And so that might be, hey, we're going we're gonna to go to your ministry location and we're going to swing hammers and we're going we're gonna to do a project. You know? So the employees might go on a weekend or even during the, the workday and, and, and help a ministry out by, by doing a project or volunteering. And a lot of times it's monetary where we, where we donate money to those ministries. And our goal as a company is to donate 1% of revenue to ministry every year. That's awesome. And just to give us the listeners a, an idea of scope, size of your company, employees, total revenue. Yeah. So this year we're, we'll be just under 200 million at revenue. And so our goal this year at 1% would be about 2 million, uh, 2 million in, in, in giving uh, for, for 2022. That's awesome. And what size is your team? How many employees? Schubert Mitchell right now is around roughly 130 employees inside the home building company. That's awesome. Uh, talk a little bit more about how generosity is intertwined and some of the ministry is intertwined with the team members there at Schubert Mitchell? Yeah, so there's so many opportunities to be generous. You know, one of those opportunities comes up in the marketplace. So 
One of the stories I just shared at our Christmas party a few weeks ago was an opportunity that came up where in the home building industry, we have the opportunity to serve every type of customer. Um, and as you would know, as well as I do, some of those customers are can be rather difficult to serve well. As hard as you try, they're sometimes difficult to serve well. And this one particular customer was our next door neighbor to our model home. We had sold them the home and uh, they were our next door neighbor and they didn't particularly like living next to a model home, which had a lot of traffic. And so it was a very difficult relationship for several years, as you might imagine. And a lot of stories around that. But what they did know is when they needed something, they knew we were true to our word and that we would show up and take care of them in a very kingdom-like manner. And so as it came to pass, this particular customer, they uh, ended up getting separated in their marriage, and it was a fairly contentious separation. And the husband had left the home and had some medical issues. And when he entered the hospital, he said, I don't want my wife to come to the hospital. And he signed the letter that said she could not come to the hospital. And then it came to pass that he went from a minor issue to being on his deathbed. And he was no longer going to survive what was happening. And so his wife was called and she legally could not go to the hospital to be by her husband while he passed away. And so who did she call? She called her home builder. Wow. And she called our warranty manager, who was the oh, one who'd, who had taken care of that family for years with their issues in their home, because she knew that he would show up and he would do what he said he was going to do. And she knew he was kingdom-minded. And so that's what he did. He stopped what he was doing. He canceled his appointments for the afternoon. He went home and grabbed his wife. And they together went to the hospital and sat with that man and prayed over that man while that man passed away. And they did that on behalf of that man and his wife. And, and a great example. And yeah. what an opportunity to be generous with your time. Uh, but also, it was only because we were a business that maybe we had the opportunity to speak into that family's life. Right. You know, I'm not sure that family would be found necessarily at a church, but because we were a business and we had the opportunity to sit in the living room with that family over and over again. Again, the opportunity right in front of you. Yeah. The opportunity right in front of you. Yeah. And being willing. Yeah. And being willing. That guy didn't have to go when he got right. that phone call. Yeah. Well, just having the opportunity to go, you obviously built that relationship with the way that you treated that person, the way that you took the high road, you loved on them, and they felt that at a time in their time of need. So what, what, a great, what a great example of true ministry. And just from my getting to know you and your team, Joe, that permeates throughout the 130 employees and throughout the management and the decisions that you, that you make, all the way from building a home for hope that impacts families on the other side of the world to your neighbor right next to your model home and uh, everything in between. So what a great example of using the tools and the opportunities that God gave you. Well, these are such great examples, but Joe, as you know, as we wrap up our time together on this podcast, that we always ask this question, you know, the way we always think about 
these podcasts is that uh, Jeff and I and Alan just sit around and talk to our friends like we're having lunch together and just having a meaningful conversation and and we're sharing it with our friends who just happen to be listening to a podcast. But you know, we're just a bunch of business uh, owners talking to other business owners and. You know, we just imagine somebody out there on the treadmill or in their car thinking, gosh, I don't have a $200 million business yet, maybe, or, uh, but I'd love to act that way a little more tomorrow, maybe than I did today. <laughs> but what, what would be just a practical tip that you might share with them as a first step or an encouragement? Well, I would say you think about the opportunity to date your wife is you have to be intentional about that, right? It's doesn't necessarily just come up. You've got to put it on the calendar. You have to be intentional about it. And you got to take that opportunity to set aside the time. Well, being generous at work is the same. You have to be intentional about it. The opportunities will enter your living room every single day. And so you have to be intentional and recognize those opportunities when they come up and be willing to stop what you're doing and take the time to address the opportunity or the need that's in front of you. I love that. Just be intentional and who's in your living room and be willing when they step in and just try something, right? That's what I heard uh, from, from both these incredible stories you've told just about who was in your living room when you were renting houses and then from your you know, yeah. you're a, you know, your manager uh, at the new company, just picking up yeah. the phone call and doing the thing. Yeah. And I would encourage listeners to go to Schubert Mitchell's website at SchuberMitchell.com yeah. and check out, there is so much more that we didn't have a chance to unpack here. Uh, and Joe, we may have to have you come back and share some more stories because I have a feeling there's a lot more, I know there's a lot more behind and there's the, the, the culture that you have in your, at your, company as a part of your team just really is amazing. It's an amazing reflection of Jesus and who we need to be to those around us. And that's every part of that just oozes generosity, whether it's in going to the bedside of a neighbor who is dying or you know, donating a house and everything in between. And it's just uh, every team member. So I would encourage you to go to supermitchell.com. Joe, really appreciate you joining us today on the podcast and uh, looking forward to continuing to journey on this journey of generosity together. Well, I really appreciate the opportunity to share and uh, it's truly an honor to, through business, have the opportunity to honor God every single day uh, in the workplace. I'll add my thanks, Joe, and we'll just thank our listeners for tuning in to this week's Generous Business Owner Podcast. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to the Generous Business Owner Podcast with Jeff Thomas, Alan Barnhart, and Jeff Rutt. Make sure to follow the podcast so you don't miss an episode. You can find the guest contact information in the show notes. Stay tuned for the next episode.